It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name, but more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings today with special savings at Family Dollar. Now, if you listen to this, it means I've set the podcast to go on the, the recorder, which means there's actually bonus material for you. Just uh, exclusive interview I did with Harry Grayson years ago. So stay tuned for that. And stuff on the Wheelchair Challenge Cup, because I might as well get more of that out than uh, just one video's worth of stuff. I've got a great guest next week. You have to wait for that. You have to find out. Have we? Well, I mean, it's pre-recorded, so... Uh, ah. And great, it's always a, it's a word that does a lot of heavy lifting sometimes, isn't it? So. <laughs> oh, I forgot my mouse. So I have to do it manually and stand up and tell people that we're on. Uh, which we are, because um, randomly we're live. Didn't mean to be. Live and together. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be in the same place. We were going to be doing the show live today, just didn't know when. As it turns out, we're doing it now. So... How exciting is that, dear viewer? Are we excited? We've had a, it's, been, it's been an exciting week <laughs> of rebellion. I've got a dear viewer. Um, I don't know yet. I, I, I'd say it's been an exciting week of rugby league. I was. Uh... <sighs> 74 10. <laughs> I mean, what can you do? I mean, it's been a while since I've seen all those kind of results. Not with Wakefield at the side of it, not like West Wales or. Cornwall or something, but oh well, never mind. That was that done. I wasn't Salford. <laughs> There's not much you can say, is there, about the result like that? It just it happens. Bit of trying to wind me up. Well, where are you? Sometimes we win. So, oh, Martin Coy's our viewer. Excellent. Thanks for watching, Martin. So we start with the wheelchair challenge cup final. He's watching. He'll, he'll, he'll love to know what we've made of it and then correct us on anything we've got wrong. Well, the the. The whole international dimension to this weekend. Um, clearly, there have been club games. We can reflect on on those, but I just think it's been a breath of fresh air weekend for the sport. Getting back to rugby league in New Zealand, seeing the emotion of players crying at national anthems, seeing the um, traditional war cries that they do before before the games take place, seeing teams pray together afterwards and sing hymns with each other. Um, I, yeah, 
I just think this is the dimension that is is so undervalued by the sports still and we we talk about how important having this ability to play internationals that you know it should be our unique calling card. We've only been doing it since 1907. <laughs> and we still haven't got a calendar established. We're going to get one, though. Well, we've been going to get one since about 1988. We're going to get one from those calendar places you see in shopping centres, but in January when it's reduced. But I just think you can add in the wheelchair, which we, we'll talk about separately, too. It had an international dimension, and it elevated it beyond even a club game. It, it There were so many subplots to what this could be come the end of the year and it's the World Cup it was just brilliant but I, you know, we, we've had um, a whole raft of internationals um, Lebanon played uh, to, to kick off against Malta uh, again 3,000 people turned up for that game on a, on a Wednesday night in Sydney brilliant um, we've had New Zealand Rugby League returning to New Zealand with a sellout at, at Mount Smart Stadium, which I'm told hasn't had a sellout for Rugby League since 1998. Um, the Tongan fans were magnificent, even though their team didn't win. The Tongan women clearly were always going to be secondary to the New Zealand Ferns, but the cheers that the women got for the two tries that they scored were absolutely unbelievable. And again, we're trying to grow women's sport fantastic they're not in the World Cup uh, you would hope that this is a stepping stone to the next one um, Samoa we, we all sort of tuned in to go oh, I wonder what they're going to look like because the opening game of the World Cup is England and Samoa they look in good form I mean I'd have to say the Cooks defended brilliantly um, were clearly up against it and you looked at the balance of selection of those teams that you know, clearly you have a lot of players with NRL experience playing for Samoa, not so much the Cook Islands, Anthony Gelling unattached. Um, but not only were the, the Cook Islands spirited enough to say you would go and watch them when they're playing in the World Cup, um, Samoa had a fullback who plays for Penrith that can't get into the Penrith team at the moment. <laughs> I'm a Super League um, you know, chief executive or, or owner and I'm looking for a value for money signing. In the week that Josh Reynolds has been sent packing by Hull who has been their marquee signing, not every marquee signing is going to work but clearly that is one that didn't. You wouldn't have had to pay marquee money for the Samoan fullback who hasn't yet played for <laughs> Penrith but looked wonderful on that international stage then you got PNG playing um, in arguably the best international kit of them all it looks like a proper kit against Fiji which is ranks 5 and 6 in the world. they looked like rank 5 and 6 it was a really competitive game the hits in those those uh, games that involved PNG are just ridiculous now, uh, was it Nixon put the second rower for for PNG it just went round nearly assassinating people with his tackling <laughs> he was that good um, uh, Kyle Labbert the, the standoff was hitting people that were three times the size of him and again you look at that and you think well we haven't, we haven't counted PNG as being a potential to maybe make a quarter final a semi final to, to add to this list of Pacific nations that now have a chance of genuinely winning the, the World Cup. And you look at that and you go, oh, there's still some players to add in there who are playing over here. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, all of it, absolutely. Then you had State of Origin, which it doesn't have an international dimension, but was played in Perth, which has an expansion dimension, which had 60,000 people, a sellout at, at, at that stadium. I just think it's been a great weekend for the sport. And it, and it goes beyond whether Wakefield won or lost. 
which apparently they didn't. They, no, they, 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 no, they lost. They, did, they didn't do anything else but lost. That's what they did do. Um, and that's no, good because everyone's loved the international week, so uh, we've got rid of it now. So uh, that's, that's the end of that. Yeah, I think it's what you, it's not the getting rid of it. It's, it's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. I think if um, if we concertinaed our season a bit, that's not a bad thing. If our season then aligns with the NRL, and you're going to genuinely commit to having between three to six weeks of international rugby league at the end of the season when the clubs have had their commitments and their, you know, some clubs, I think is it Penrith have released 21 players over the course of this weekend. Melbourne, not far short of that. Uh, North Queensland, a lot of players. Uh, some of them who clearly aren't first team players but they're, they've committed themselves to this weekend. If clubs are going to be even more committed because it's at the end of the season, if every nation can have those players that are eligible, if they can fly around the world, you know, if Scottish and Welsh heritage players can come over and play for their national team, if we can arrange tours um, so that, you know, maybe Tonga can go to France for three weeks, if we can all do that in a concerted international window at the end of the season, I'm sort of all for that. And let Origin have its three weeks, and we need to find something here that is an Origin equivalent that isn't Yorkshire against Lancashire, um, and and then build up to the internationals at the end of the year. I sort of get that it works. We do have England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland, which I know one of those is stronger than the others, but at least. But because again of a lack of playing resource we couldn't even get a Scotland Island men's international arranged in this window and some of those nations benefit from players coming over and playing for their heritage which elevates the standard of the game and more interest in it but you're not going to do that if you want Ewan Aitken to be released by his club fly over here play in a game that uh, maybe has world ranking points attached to it but there's, there's no Celtic Cup on display or whatever uh, and then fly back and play for his club the following weekend St George are not going to do that but they might if it's at the end of the year but we all enjoyed it so it was good and it was most of it was on telly um, Origin obviously was the, the women's Origin game on, on Friday um, I think we've all seen the try now from the under 19's Origin game which is probably the longest try in the history of the league because <laughs> it goes from one end of the pitch to the other uh, behind the goal line um, of course, it depends which pitch you're on. I don't know what the length of the pitch was. It could have been at Castleford or Bradford or something. But, uh, but it's been, a, it's been a, a positive week. Another positive week. What's I going think on? What's, what's nice about it as well is that we have been able to put some club loyalties aside to watch games where we can just talent spot for the World Cup, which I think is really exciting. Um, yeah. Clearly, the domestic game has gone on, and, and there might be things to talk about. You know, how many Leeds players have been banned? Um, but I just think that focus should be on what it means at the end of the year and, and how important the World Cup could be in four sports, uh, four variants of the same sport, which is which has never happened before. And um, and I want to see these players in our back garden. I'm, I'm excited. I want to see that PNG kit running out on grounds round here uh, and and seeing yeah for real how hard they hit people I, I can't wait and if Australia don't want to be part of it or play once every three years we've had a weekend this weekend where it doesn't matter that they haven't haven't played it's been good without them we have more in common with the Papua New Guineans and the Cook Islanders and the Samoans and the Tongans and whatever than the England Rugby Union team but that's that's another debate for another time I don't know um, which I'm, I'm what a surprise! It's full of racism and uh, stuff. Is is the, the rugby union? Apologise to Luther Burrell though, so it's all right. 
Ah, okay. So it's all right. They right. don't need to do an investigation like they did at the cricket, so it's okay. Not that we're clean, we know that. Um, speaking of clean, I've got to see Wigan's uh, exciting uh, cartoon thing got people annoyed on the internet this week, so that's always good. I guess, again, I, you know, I haven't seen it live. It, it It's not something that you want to necessarily... Um, Promote, but I think it is part of your history. It's, it's not saying it was a good or a bad thing, um, but it cost you a grand final. It's on a, a mural. You know, it would it would have been easier to probably whitewash that out. Uh, but I get the argument whereby player welfare and uh, you know we want to be a responsible sport. Should we be promoting that? It's a tiny part of a bigger mural. And in in some respects, listening to to Matty Pete talk, he wants culture to mean everything. And that includes the things that you're not quite so proud of, that you have to own up to and own. And uh, it depends. That I, I'd say I haven't seen it up close. It depends how it is depicted. The great Co- Craig Murdoch's on there. I should speak to him and try and get him on because I've not spoken to Craig for ages since the Radio Yorkshire thing collapsed. So we should get him on. He's on there, which is good. I wonder if they've got um, Andy Fowell calling out Scoey. Well, they've got Kevin Sinfield and Rob Burrow on there, yeah, which again is fantastic. Andy Fowell, what a, what a great TV moment that was. Fat shaming, Gary Scott, disgraceful. No one is in rugby union now. Um, we, we on Saturday went to Hull um, to the Alam Sports Arena at the University of Hull, which if you try to look for, you won't find it. There's no signs whatsoever. Uh, we were there to watch the wheelchair Challenge Cup final because we didn't get there early enough for the Shield final. But well done, Gravesend. We saw well, the end of it. Ten tries, but the problem we had when we got there and tried to work out what was happening at the end of it was both teams were playing in yeah, the same colours. Yeah. Probably not a great idea. No, but uh, well done to the players called Ten Tries, whose name I forgot. I can't remember. Yes, so. to beat Merseystone. Um, and again, I think to have those victory for the South two tiers. Giving everybody an opportunity. And, Fantastic. And there, are, there are two clubs, much like London, who are not associated with a professional mm. club, which is good because it means we're widening the gene pool. The final, though, was between Leeds Rhinos of England and the Catalan Dragons of Catalan. Um, we all enjoyed the national anthem so much, it gets mentioned in the paper today. Abide with me. We didn't have the Catalonian national no, anthem. No, we had that bloody song they play after tries, though. It's, Catalan, Catalan, that one. Your um, earworm. Yeah, it's been, I've been stuck in my head for the last few days. Um, I didn't realise, but here's, here's exclusive content for you people. The, the Wheelchair Challenge Cup, which must only be, what, two years old or something? Already broken. Already broken. And here's another exclusive for you, because we asked all the important questions. You know that. They weren't, we, no fear here. This is not Robert Peston programme, no. They've welded the lids on, so you can't take them off and put them on your head. Because I was looking forward to Nathan Collins putting it on mm-hmm. his head, doing a knobby style. But but now you can't do it now. Drinking champagne out of the cup. I'm going to send a strongly worded email to Ralph Rimmer saying, "Sorry, out, Ralph. Get them get them unwelded. We want to see players with the lid on their head." Um, but what a game it was! Uh, a, perhaps a preview of what the World Cup final will be uh, come November in Manchester. But uh, physical, intense, skillful. I mean, we were wincing up at the in, in at the balcony because when when they bash into each other, they told us it doesn't hurt. It's just bashing in, it's wheels bashing into each other. It doesn't hurt, but it sounds great on the telly. And Leeds, as it is their want to do, won the Challenge Cup for the third time, and it was uh, it was great. It was a, it was a great afternoon. Great afternoon's entertainment. I, th- I don't think I've ever seen. Oh, 
Yeah, we're, we're still <laughs> getting to know the, all the nuances. I think you've seen more than I've. I've, I've seen two games now. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever seen a game where players were thrown out of a chair as as much, uh, which was a testament to the physicality and the robustness of it. Um, there's the the genuine rivalry. Uh, we, we had the good fortune of of talking to some of the players before and afterwards, and um, you know this is what we need to build up. The fact that that yeah. They really, they re- there is a real animosity from a playing sense, not from a camaraderie sense afterwards. Um, and you know, Catalan went into that as favourites. Seb Bashara, who was trying to build it up on a, a podcast during the week, said he wanted to wipe the smile off the Leeds' faces. Again, brilliant. You know? He won me over on that one. And you talk, you, you talk to the uh, the Leeds players. Like, oh yeah, they've got this sort of uh, air about them that uh, they think they just need to turn up and win and win. But in terms of game management, um, as good a tactical performance from any team in any format of the game that I've seen in a final. Um, I, I I don't know what the record is for gaining goal line dropouts in, in any form of rugby league but Leeds must have set a record by turning Catalan round and I, I, what would there have been five maybe six in the mm-hmm. second half which is a testament to the immense accuracy of the kick the desire and willingness of the chase um, and the tactical awareness to stop your opposition from building an attack by continually turning them around reminiscent of the 2004 men's running grand final when um, Kevin Sinfield's aim that entire 80 minutes to put the ball over the head of Leslie Vinacolo, turn him round and get Mark Calderwood in his face tackling him. It was very similar. Um, some astonishing individual performances. Um, I, I have to say, you know, Tom Halliwell, I thought genuinely was the, the player of the match because he just controlled it. Um, he's got the most brilliant passing game. His, his pass selection options and ability to do it under immense duress. And without shoulders is is fantastic, uh, but I, I, that's the best I've seen James Simpson play. I think came up with a hat trick in the in the final, and and it was some desire and determination for last ditch tackling as well that he was leading the line. That Jodie Boyd Ward was outstanding. She she had a personal mission to target Seb Bashara. Uh, I I don't know why that would be, but um, she she had a, um, a an intimation beforehand that. She wanted to really get in his face and there was one particular tackle in the second half where he wasn't injured but his chair was from the collision. Bits <laughs> flying off all over the place and I think she got a great deal of, of satisfaction from that. Nathan Collins, we were told as we were walking in uh, by somebody who knows him very well, uh, might have been his mother, um, that he shouldn't have been played. He'd been advised by doctors that because of the nature of the fracture of his finger playing for England the week before, it was a risk strapped it up was said yeah, you really shouldn't play I think you'll find I am uh, strapped it up and how good was he uh, again he j- just got natural speed and, and the French had three internationals who hadn't played the week before um, and at 16-6 up in the first half looked as though they were going to take control it just had everything I, 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 yeah, I know we extol it and we go on about it and um, we, we think that there is so much value in this variant of rugby league but yeah, if you've got it's on the eye play for probably yeah. what, the next 30 days if you haven't seen it you should watch it you should uh, what was the final score 48-34 there you go it was a Josh which Butler again is, is a lower scoring 
game to some of the yeah. ones that we've seen because of the intensity in there. I thought absolutely magnificent and uh, great to see Tom Coyd, the England coach, there checking out uh, well, you, you some think players. Mr. Simpson might have been trying to prove a point to the, to the coach there. Well, I reckon he. Which could, I forgot to ask him afterwards. He couldn't play a lot better. Um, but I, I don't envy Tom Coyd now only picking ten players for his World Cup squad because there's some real, real talent out there at the moment. Assuming that Wales don't get to the later stages of the competition, if I'm a TV company and I know Kyle Amor's doing really great stuff, I'll be getting Jodie on. I think she's, mm-hmm. she's a great speaker and I think she'd do a good job uh, w- during the World Cup on the uh, broadcast side of things. Um, the other thing about the, the Rhinos' performance that has to be mentioned, I think apart from swapping... Was it Butler for Cribbins? They'd swap yeah, twice. The other the four players half, played the yeah. full length of the 80 minutes. Um, great game. Great, great. Really entertaining. I've never seen a, a team in wheelchair control the way that game was going to be played as much. You know, sometimes it, it can be a bit, if you're in possession, there's a chance you might score, um, and then you give the ball back to the opposition. There's a chance, you know, th- there is a, a almost a tit for tat element in some games that we've seen. Or if a team is overly dominant, every time they get possession, they tend to score. This was tactically fantastic to watch, absolutely absorbing. And um, I hope there were a few people that had some drinks on Saturday night to celebrate their victory. I, I compared him to this on Saturday, and I'll do it again now because it's on the air rather than. Standing there at the side of the pitch, Nathan Collins reminded me of his performance in the game across between Rob Burrow in terms of his speed and his determination and his thought processes, and Kevin Sinfield with his kicking, as you mentioned, 2004 2014, the final against Cass at Wembley, where they just kicked Castleford to death. I mean, you're, we, we talk about it is rugby league, but they sat down and they've got wheels, and that's the only difference. I mean, it's some minor difference. Obviously, Catalan's got a penalty for having too many players on the pitch at one point, which was hilarious. But if we accept that the skills are generally the same and the idea of the sport is the same, then I think you can make the comparison to say that that's what it, that's what it reminded me of. And and he's he's so good. So good, so good to watch. It, um, is, it was magnificent. It was absolutely. I, I thought it was a better game than the international uh, the week before, and it does all go well for the World Cup because, as I say, the the bulk of that Catalan team were, were the French internationals. Uh, they're going to form the bulk of their squad, and a proportion of the Leeds team will be playing for England. Jody will be playing for Wales, and I just think that um, you know we watch it we we can only say yeah. you should watch it I think if you did watch it you would have been nothing but singularly impressed if you listen to the podcast you'll hear the interviews we did after the uh, match at the end of the podcast <laughs> if you're watching they're already up on YouTube anyway so you can watch them there uh, but yeah and, and, and what was also great to see uh, because you know I've had, had a go in the chair and it's, it's amazing uh, I'd love to have another go was the amount of kids there who were just given a chance to just mm. zoom around the pitch on a chair at half time it's like watching the, in, in the old days of the cricket where you could go on the pitch at the teens and have a few shots but it was it was good to see so many kids there enjoying themselves and it's good it's good I think the other thing is that all of these people that you will have interviewed um, do, do seek out them if you haven't already they've all got fabulous stories to tell and they're not so much stories about how they got to be in wheelchair rugby league I think we've heard quite a lot of those it's just they talk fantastically about the sport, about the nuances of the sport, the tactics of the sport, uh, what it what it means to them. I, I just, you know, with the greatest respect to perhaps some kids that have 
come through the scholarship and academy system and have only ever known rugby league when you interview them they haven't really got anything to say whereas every single person we spoke to uh, after the game particularly ha- the interviews they give are fantastic yeah I wouldn't say I'm not interested in, in why people are in a wheelchair playing rugby league or whatever because that's that's not how I intend it to mean but I always go in with the attention of I'm asking about this because it's a sport I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not interested in the backstory after a match because we're interested in the 18 minutes we've just seen and I think that's how you should treat all uh, sport uh, including uh, Leeds Rhinos winning the women uh, wheelchair challenge cup and they beat St Helens in the women's Super League Phil I mean here you go you can't write off the Rhinos well you can For, the moment, yeah I mean they're rubbish but 14-0 down the women and here they come uh, and they win Frank Goldthorpe what a try Connie Winfield Hills vision and awareness oh uh, and there they are Leeds Back, leads are back. Leads I, are back. Um, I, I again. I think we, you know. Quite honestly, the the wheelchair game was one of the best I've seen. Um, that was one of the best women's games I've seen. Um, I think the the York and St Helens game was absolutely fantastic. Um, the other week when York won, um, and this was on a par with it. I I, I just thought um, the tenacity from Leeds at fourteen nil down. Which you know, had it been twenty-four nil down, you, you wouldn't have begrudged. St Helens were that dominant in the early, early stages. But some of the last-ditch defence from Leeds to keep them in the game, and then the ability to get their speed merchant, who was playing at fullback, twice on the outside. Well, once on the outside of the opposition, then once through the middle and spinning and in for the. It, it was as good a game as you could wish to see, with the most dramatic ending and the highest quality for for eighty minutes in terms of commitment. Uh, sure, some somebody will say, "Oh no, there was too much drop ball," or you know, Saints uh, maybe um, couldn't couldn't get back to the level they were at in the, at the beginning of the game. But if you wanted an absorbing contest that you could not take your eyes off. That's as good a women's game as I've seen. And again, unfulfilled potential. This could, this yeah. it could go anywhere if we get it right. So I'm telling you everything. Um, I mean, I, tell you, I don't like to use the word brave in a sporting context. I'm buying into the um, Richie Benno school of reporting on things. You know, the, the, these aren't disasters and so on and so forth. But I tell you what is brave: the uh, Leeds Rhinos women who went to watch their teammate Ella um, Johnson play for Fev on loan on, on Sunday in full Rhinos gear. Now, I think Amy Stavel and somebody else didn't. They're the smart ones, but the other ones, Caitlin Beams, etc. I don't know. Featherson beat Lee 34-4. Uh, this is the women's Super League, course, not the uh, championship. Uh, Warrington beat Bradford. It's not in the paper, but they won 50-odd nil. 54-0. nil. there you go. Uh, Barrow beat Cass 46-10. Big game on Sunday at the Herewell, Bewell Stadium, Bewell, Bellevue. Where for Cass? They almost go at the bottom of the Women's Super League Group 2. Um, don't ask what happens at the bottom of the table. Is that the curtain raiser? It's the curtain raiser. Well, it says here it kicks off at 12, so it must be the curtain raiser. Right. We're going to knock so down it's the not the afterwards. final game before the stand gets knocked no, down. It, no. okay, it will be the men afterwards. Um, or, or we might go down and knock it down now after Sunday. Uh, and in the uh, Super League 1, it was Wigan nil, York City Knights 46. Hatrick from Emma Kershaw, former guest on this programme. Uh, and York remained top with four wins from four games. And Saints at the moment, clearly there are, there is going to be uh, semi-finals, and they will have a say in it. But if the, if it was a top two going through to the final this week, Saints wouldn't be there, and you wouldn't have got money on that three weeks yeah. ago, would you? Four weeks ago. Saints in Morris lost, Sander lost. 
women sides women well, lost two, two, two in a row mm-hmm. um, probably before they mm. were good yeah um, they were good. before they were good um, excitement in the comments hello Carsten who's listening um, Andy a Wynton fan when you won't watch the Super League show until your team wins to find there's no highlights just two penalties uh, could Sam Thomas play for France on residential rights if he wished asking for a friend or something has he been in France long enough I think he has are they, are they tier 1 or tier 2 France they're tier 2 aren't they yeah. so he could switch because you can't go from 1 to 1 but you can go. I don't think he will no they've got a full back anyway haven't they um, Andy says how did James Bentley get away with being banned again without being banned again oh, has he not been banned has he not been banned no it's only three others have. no well, was sent at least, and with his poor discipline record this season, is that not taken into account? No, I no? think I think it's it's sin been insufficient because it was petulant and didn't didn't affect the no. result of the game. I think again, it, it, Leeds men have a discipline <laughs> issue that Leeds wheelchair and Leeds women clearly don't. Um, I'd be tempted to get the coaches of those teams in to have a word and say, look, this is how you. Uh, how you maintain your your dignity and discipline over the full 80 minutes even under some kind of provocation I think a lot of it does come down to frustration because clearly they're not playing very well if, if Harry uh, I was going to say Harry Sunderland not him Harry, if Harry Newman had been sin binned on Thursday then would he have escaped to ban perhaps because you don't mean I, no, I, th- I think um, there's a difference between petulance knocking the ball out of somebody's hands and stopping a restart when the game's already gone to having verbally him. abusing a referee, and Harry Harry will learn a lesson from that because again he you know he's, he's fought so hard to get back into the team with his injury issues to now miss two games because he verbally abused the referee. That that's again the impetuousness of youth that needs curbing. Um, as for Zane Tetivano, um, I don't know which Greek island he'll be booking a holiday to. Did you see Joe Bench's try that was given but was well out of play? And I'm a Salford fan, says John. Now. No, I I do you think I watched the highlight <laughs> I mean I may have you're watching an interview later where I'm speaking to Callum Watkins and said oh you, you worked hard for those tries that's because Gary Carter said so and I, and I trust him I'm not watching the bloody highlights come on then. I saw a, a photograph on social media um, oh, I, I mean look it could have been um, there'll be a week where 68. A, call, a call will go against Salford clearly the tries that I've seen and I, I, like you I, I only watched the highlights I wasn't at the game um, Salford deserve a huge amount of credit for the creativity that they showed and sometimes you see a score and you go oh Wakefield's defence I mean a lot of it was beautifully created and, mm-hmm. and, and there'll be talk of who's been the best overseas signing on the, the basis obviously that Reynolds hasn't quite worked out the whole Brody Croft has gone under the radar a little bit and it's been every time I've seen him has been sensational <laughs> Reynolds hasn't quite worked out at the whole there uh, <laughs> wins today, the understatement, understatement of the year, of the year <laughs> hasn't quite worked out I mean at least Wakefield scored 10 points which is more than Hull did and they scored tries which is more than Warrington did I mean we need to talk about this because uh, today we had this uh, media event uh, up the road at, at the Beckett talking about stats and stuff you'll see some stuff on the YouTube this week and it'll be some of it will be next week as well um, uh, including our guest next week who I've recorded but he's probably he's probably embargoed so you'll have to wait till next week not that exciting and George Williams was supposed to be there from Warrington uh, but he couldn't be there he needed a scan or something and the first question I was going to ask him was in my style what was it like playing in that game because we are all sat at home watching and it's rubbish and we're all saying it's rubbish and for the people who believe me when I said we should kick out Warrington and Hull and put Lee and Fenton in instead in Super League 
people actually believed I was like being serious. <laughs> why would you take? Why would you get rid of Hull? There's a big city and put it in a pit village. These people, these people. I, I don't know what to say apart from them being idiots. However, they had a human bypass. Yeah, um, that was a tough watch. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like for the fans of those teams. As a neutral, that was, let's go and have another cup of tea and put the kettle on, because it was, I think the word I, I may have used was turgid. I think that's being kind. And what I don't understand, I, I mean, I do understand, it's clearly it's the fear of losing is more important than trying to find a way to win. And those two teams are both in that moment at... And and, and it, there isn't a mitigating circumstance, but Hull have lost Jake Connor, Luke Gale went off with an HIA, didn't come back. Josh Reynolds, arguably not have turned out to be the best signing they've ever made. <laughs> They're going to struggle to score points when three their three most creative players aren't on the field, and I'm including Reynolds in that, even though clearly it hasn't been one of their most creative players. But that's what he was there to do. Um, but there was enough talent on that pitch on both sides to serve up something a, a lot better than than we did. I I mean, Sky tried to justify it by saying, for confidence, this will do Warrington a lot of good, and the, you know they've nilled an opponent and they're goal-lined it. Yeah, I get all of that. There wasn't one piece of attacking play in the entire 80 it, minutes. It, it was terrible. The old cliche is Richard Keyes, of course, who you'll all remember the star of Sky Sports in the glory days of the Premier League when it was good He's, <laughs> he would come on at the half time in the Monday Night Football half time between Coventry and Southampton and say, say what a first half that was can't wait for the second and stuff and you know then bother off to Qatar but sometimes you know Brian Carney does usually admit when a game is rubbish he's, 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 he's very smart about this that was, that was such a tough watch uh, so Warrington one which is the main thing and, well uh, it's the main thing for Warrington yeah. for the rest of us yeah, it's a test card. I'm um, not sure Love Island. it's told us anything. I, I just get the impression as well that those two teams are looking at next year rather than what they still may achieve this year. Their, their squad changes every week um, in terms of who they are signing for next year. We, we got that, that, that interesting mm. swap deal. Well, yeah, we were asked, what do you think about it, says Kevin. Um, I, I think that clearly Warrington are going for rewarding their young players that are coming through at the moment and they all seem to be backs yeah as Andy says uh, Wrench and Fuel is a bit playing better than King and Charlie who's of course gone to Lee as well so I think that's part of the we're, we're changing the guard at Warrington and, and Toby King has been a, a victim of that um, he's gone back to the club where Warrington bought him from as an academy mm. player uh, so I can see why he would go back to Huddersfield I, I can also see why um Clearly, there's some doubt at the moment about whether Ricky Lutell is going to sign for next year. You, you would hope that he would, because he's been one of the one of the best players for, in the competition. Never mind for for, for the Giants this year. Uh, and I think King in the future can be a back rower as well. Um, I think he's got the physique to do that. So that's a fit. Um, Jake Wardley, I'm surprised because you know you make your your England debut one week and the next week you're not playing for your club team. But we noted at the time when we went to Spurs, it seemed odd that he hadn't been selected for the cup final um, and and again the issue is is Leroy Kudjo going to get given another year if he does when everybody's fit Wardle for some reason for Ian Watson isn't a first choice player so I think it works for everybody um, 
but it did get you know the first transfer we've had in ages where there was no leak no. beforehand well, well done everybody on I mean that. I'm hoping John's wrong that Luke Gale's coming to Wakefield because uh, we've got enough old people now and I like Luke Gale but you know we've got Tom Lightham we've got all these other people well you are going to have to find somebody for replacing yeah. Jacob Miller yeah well no he might stay you never know you never know what's going to happen he might not go to Catherine even though everyone that's <laughs> assuming he is I love this time of year when everyone knows what's happening that's the same people who are assuming that Jake Truman might be going to Hull he's going to my theory on Hull get away with it because Warrington and Leeds are rubbish isn't doesn't bear water because they are in the top six hmm? they've won as many games as they've lost but I still think they're underperforming they are they're they seem to me to be a, a one-dimensional team. Um, and I don't think, again, that Brett Hodgson has decided the best position for some of his players. I, I don't know where Joe Loverdoer's best position is, but I, I'm not sure it's in the halves. Um, it might well be second row. I quite liked him when he came over as, as a hooker. Um, I'm told that he may not want to play hooker as his first choice, but, um, again, it's... It's tough. You, you know what the coach tells him. You need to play the players in the position that best suits the way you want to play rather than put them on the field and, and have two or three people not really sure of what their role is in the team which to me both teams look like that on Friday uh, in that instantly forgettable 80 minutes that we'll, none of us will ever get back Wigan with their uh, Muriel in tribute to Hilda Ogden they beat Tilly's 40 points to 6 thanks I think, Wigan I think the, uh, the again the there's something we, we're going to are now throwing off the shackles a little bit so we know that Field and French are going to cause problems we, you know Field apparently was was quiet for a lot of that game and then and then, then scored the most again ridiculous try they're, they're now getting other people on the score sheet they're, they're now getting a whole team contribution um, and they're playing some exciting and attractive rugby the, the, the problem for Toulouse I think is again they, they've lost Gadwin Springer who's uh, apparently left the club in some form of a dispute I don't know if that's because he feels he should be playing more, more minutes but you need togetherness if they're going to get out of this at the bottom of the uh, of the division they're, they're going to need to jag three or four more wins probably most of those at home they're in arguably the most important month in July because they play I think all the teams around them uh, I think they've got Wakefield, Leeds, Salford amongst the games that they play they are now must win games what you don't want is we've lost Corella, we've lost Ford we've lost Springer um, Mitch Garbutt's leaving which he may have done anyway to go and become player coach at Santa Esther it's almost like there's a feeling behind the scenes that they're planning for next year already It's and it's a shame you know, Corey Norman doesn't know if he's staying on at the end of this year and you know, again I'm Whatever the rights and wrongs of who's in Super League and whether you should have promotion relegation, what doors it opens to have a second French team and whether we've capitalised on that or not enough and is that because they may not be there next year? All of those questions are secondary to the fact that they need to start putting some performances together. We're trying to think of some kind of uh, way for they've got red faces but not quite as red as the ballot box on Thursday but I couldn't work it out how to do that one um, so Kai Pierce Paul of Wigan he's off to Newcastle Knights as is uh, Young Price at, at um, Huddersfield Giants with, with again that, everybody it? saying that um, it'll he'll be at Huddersfield next year and then at Newcastle 2024 should Newcastle want him earlier which will be dependent on again how they finish the season and which players they want to retain and um, I think there's talk that Jake Clifford 
might be leaving Newcastle to come to Hull, funnily enough, to replace Josh Reynolds. Um, if Newcastle decide Will Price would fit in at standoff next year, they'll pay a transfer fee. You know, unfortunately, contracts that people have signed and commitments that they've made, they can now be paid off. Um, and, and whilst I would love to see him uh, uh, learn for another year at Huddersfield, and uh, and again, he, he was... He, when he, pl- he plays and spots those gaps and gets his hands on the ball, like he did against Hulk KR a couple of times, he is a joy to watch. Uh, he was a uh, hat-trick for Leroy Kudjo, 200th try for Jermaine McGill's Ray. Love the Luke Yates try just after half-time from the rubbish kick-off. Um, okay, I'm back in crisis again now, obviously. Uh, they're out of the uh, top six as we speak. But uh, I, um, Very I, good I, performance from Huddersfield more than anything else. I think what Huddersfield are doing are continually defying those people that say, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't know if they are a top four. They are. They are a top four team. They, they have got a way of playing, a, a belief amongst what they do you know kept it quite conservative in the first half when they were facing a really strong wind but opened out and played some lovely rugby in the in the second half it's not all structure um there's a fair amount of structure but they play on the back of that structure um they they are the real deal they 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 quite easily could get to old trafford i i, I think that the issue at Hull KR at the moment bearing in mind that their chief executive did a a major podcast last week is there seems to be this huge chasm between what he's talking about in terms of what Willie Peters is going to do next year and why he's a great acquisition for the club and the fact that he actually does have a coach at the moment who, who clearly the two don't get on. Um, I, I, I've got nothing but the highest admiration for Tony Smith and everything he's done wherever he's been. Um, he's a pleasure to talk to. He's, he's, he's educated so many people and... Um, I used to love having just chats with him away from asking him questions directly related to a game because you learn so much from people like that. I I just don't know whether he's going to see out the season. Well, that's the uh, the ongoing question, isn't it? They're not going. And while that's unresolved, it's not reflected in the fact that players go off injured. There's nothing you can do about that. It's just that you've got the chief executive already again talking about next year and the coach trying to remedy this year um, who's signing the players what they're going to look like you know the, the the coach for next year inadvertently gave away the three overseas players that Hulk are signing next year um, I, I, again to me it's all a bit out, out of balance at, at Rovers at the moment and he suggested biannual promotion and relegation the points of the second season only apply to who goes up or down oh that's too confusing so get people moaning whatever system we do which won't work anyway um, and after Golden Point extra time Catland Dragons lost to Casa Tigers who are now two points clear of Hull Kingston Rovers uh, Catalans go below Huddersfield because Huddersfield won uh, Danny Witcher is now great again so that's I uh, think that also Castle. with, with I mean, the, the thing for, for Castleford is um, clearly they, they showed that some of the resolve um, and determination and, and discipline that and Lee Rafford's been asking for that, that they've had an element of inconsistency about them but that is a really really big response and, and they could be a team that, that you know ends in the playoffs so I think they're, uh, they w- there would be you know that kind of result tells you that, that they would be worthy of that I just wonder and it's not in any you know, please Castleford fans not detracting in any way from your <laughs> great achievement Um 
the week the week before in the internationals, uh, Catalan had provided most of the French team and some of the English team as well. It, you do wonder if you know Cas made best use of and benefited from the week off, and uh, I, I, you know Steve McNamara is trying to manage the players that he he got back and uh, the physical condition they were in and. And then they're back on a plane and, and going to cash. Get not to detract in any way, but I think uh, Saints Catalan in Catalan in Perpignan this weekend. Um, that that is a really that's a marker game for the Dragons. Uh, Cass have got a lot of home games coming up this month, so uh, it's probably good that they get as many wins as possible and uh, keep their fans happy and coming through the turnstiles at the jungle where they face Huddersfield on Friday on the telly. Which should be a good game, the way mm. that that will be a good test for Castleford because uh, I think we know exactly what we're going to get from Huddersfield and that is total commitment. So 0 0 at the end. Um, Hull Please versus Leeds. That'll be rubbish, Hull Leeds. Yeah, good um, job that isn't on any yeah. television, to be honest. Um, if it's on Radio Humberside or Radio Leeds, just don't listen. Listen to something else. Um, <laughs> in fact, listen to me. Yeah, because I'm on the radio at the same time. I forgot that. Uh, Toulouse versus Hull Kings, the Rovers at eight. Uh, and on Sunday... That's a big game for Toulouse, by mm. the way, because... Oh, yeah, Rovers, they could win that. Oh, no, that's no good, is it? Well, Rovers went over there, what, 15 minutes ago because of the stupid loot fixtures that they have. So they're going back and... Um, I think Toulouse would have earmarked that first game as one that they needed to win. Now it's a cup final for them. That that is a almost a grand final dress rehearsal if they're going to avoid relegation. Sunday's wait for your Wigan knocking the stand down after. I don't think they're doing it straight afterwards. I need to. Uh, Are there JCBs in the car park? I don't know. They went there the other day when I was there filming stuff for the Ace documentary. Right, it should be out when I've edited it. I've not done it yet. Any? Uh, any? Do you pick up any memorabilia? No, well, not yet. But I want to get my seat from the the press box, but. I'm sure I can get that. Have you got a designated seat? No, I haven't, because I'm not Radio Leeds, and I'll put a sticker on the chair like they've done. Very uh, pos- very uh, possessive of the BBC. Um, Are you going to take that wooden door into that? <laughs> oh, there's a load of chairs in there. All, I did a bit of filming in there. It's, oh, it's nice, isn't it? Let's get a window. You take the ISDN line. Yeah, I could do. I mean, someone will probably use that. I don't know who. <laughs> Uh, Warrington Salford also on Sunday that, which that. again is going to be a real test for Warrington because mm-hmm. Salford will come with confidence and we shouldn't forget that they could only name was it 19 players instead of 21 So they and they've had a real injury crisis Morgan Escaray now is out for the season but you, you come off the back of having scored what was it 13 tries against a team that didn't score one um, again could be a long afternoon for Warrington if they don't throw the shackles off a little bit they stick all those uh, young Welsh lads have got in their academy on the bench that's what they need to do um, why do so many teams in the championship not give out attendances what have they got to hide I don't know I think it should be mandatory um, find them the arms race is back on uh, Featherstone paraded their latest uh, nuclear submarine down the uh, main road in Featherstone which is the only road in Featherstone in Broadbent and then uh, Lee got their intercontinental ballistic missile out and drove that through whole, uh, through Lee Town Centre, and that was Josh Charlie. Because they man. need a winger, mm. having signed Blake yeah. Ferguson. Colin says run of home games. I'm sure when I was because I asked today, uh, what should I ask about Castle? And I said we've got some home games coming up. Maybe it's July then, not June. Well, it's July this week. Buy some tickets. Um, <laughs> In the championship, Bradford beat uh, Dewsbury in front of a crowd of, we don't know, 48-6. Was that the Mark Sawyer Derby? The Mark Sawyer Derby, yeah. 
Um, the home of uh, the home of the home of dust. The home of dust apparently at odds these days. Saw some people having to wipe down their chairs because of the stock car racing. Uh, Featherson lost to Batley, and the second best thing that's come out of Batley, apart from these chocolate uh, orange crust, crunch creams, they're very nice. Official biscuit of the podcast. Um, Thanks, Foxes. Well done to uh, Craig Lingard's men, 28 20. There we say. So if you're a columnist in the magazine, it goes well. If you come on the programme, forget about it. But I think, uh, I think uh, again, completely underestimated. Mm. I, I, I saw today that a couple of people have done interviews with him because that's an outstanding result. That you know, They, they drew with Featherstone uh, in the first game that uh, they played up at, up at Mount. But to go to Featherstone and win, um, again, is just a victory for belief, commitment to one another and a really astute coach. Um, who is happy in the environment he's in and keeps being linked with jobs such as the one at Bradford and you're thinking no wh- why Why would he why does he need to There's a, the, he, he can work his oracle at Batley mm. he's involved in the heritage side there um, he, I, I've seen him on match day do 150 jobs and, I, and as he joked they'd have me doing the car park as well if they could um, but he's really got some you look at the respective teams on paper Batley should not have won that game what was the X factor, Craig Lingard? The league table doesn't lie. Now the interesting thing now. I'll tell you course, what. Oh, Batley getting the playoffs. Yeah, um, they're the team you don't want to meet. Nothing to lose, have they? Madame um, out, say some Featherstone fans, which is uh, what Leeds fans used to say. You know, before winning grand final after grand final after grand final. Um, I mean, I know that some of them weren't happy when he was appointed in the first place, but knowing that Featherstone probably have to win one or two games to get what they want is there any better coach in the last 15 years or whatever to win one game than Brian McDermott he'll be learning more through his team not performing than he would if they were winning by 50 points every week and he'll be tinkering and he'll be looking at who he wants in certain positions and he'll be deciding when it comes to those games who he wants to play and what he wants from them I wouldn't write Featherstone off just yet. I think they've got the perfect man in charge and he will be absolutely delighted that somebody else are the favourites. After the introduction of Toronto into League One in whatever it was, they increased the salary cap at every level to the same amount, didn't they? So Gary the Vikings asked, how can Lee stay under the salary cap? And you say the same with Featherstone as well. It's the same signed. as the Super League salary. Yeah, so they've got a lot of money to play with. Um, ridiculously because they ruined that because they wanted Toronto and, well I don't know what did they want do you think Josh Reynolds will sign for Lee? he might do he might go to Fev um, the, the other interesting thing about Featherson is a lot of fans not happy that they let Dane Chisholm go now what, two things one he's gone to a team in League 1 so he wasn't no other team in the Championship seemed to want to pick him up and there's no disrespect to Keithley of course because they're top of the table um, and no disrespect to Dane Chisholm but it's not as if and Craig Hall's been dropped this week it's not as if when he was at Leeds Brian McDermott didn't say drop I know Kevin Sinfield from Borough does the bench. Yeah. it seems well, it to does. work though and uh, when you when Jonathan it's not a Brian McDermott apologist podcast but when Jonathan Ford is available and you can pick him up then somebody has to be released to, you know Tom, Tom Holmes has gone as well hasn't he so he is doing what he needs what he believes he needs to do to win those two games at the end whether he does or not is how he'll be judged 
And if he does, if they don't win, they'll get somebody else in and buy all the same players again as they do every year and uh, rinse and repeat until they go up and then come back down because that's what happens. Um, also in the uh, championship, uh, Newcastle Thunder beat Workington 66-22. Have you seen Hanley's try? Nice chip over mm-hmm. the top. Very good. And who's going to be the next Newcastle coach? Uh, Danny Spets. Well, I well, think bit. he's only holding the reins, but uh, um, oh, do you know? Because you've asked that question, do you know? No, no, no. But I think it's interesting because there is a team that has potential, has an investor. Um, well, it's not John Keir because he's a witness. We've got a couple of big events coming up in the city. You know, there's a Friday Night Lights game for for Newcastle or equivalent, uh, which is going to be on Premier Sport. Um, I think that's a job that an ambitious coach would want to take. But I don't know who that is. Who is in the frame? Well, that shows you how things have changed, doesn't it? When Newcastle played Bradford, however many years ago on a Friday night, it was just doing it on bloody proper sport. Going um, to the chicken shack. Yeah, I think uh, there was a Bradford player got sent off in the um, under 19s academy game in that one. I can't remember who it was. I was going to, I was going to say a player, and I didn't want to say it just in case I got it wrong. But that was quite funny. Um, Sheffield lost to Lee 58-4 see Sheffield can put, it, can put their crowd figures out there there's only them and Newcastle have done so uh, Whitehaven 16 York 40 and Witness York came. have sneaked, sneaked yeah, they're, they, into they, contention they're third now aren't they yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and the gap's narrowing yeah Fev and York they've got no connections have they I don't no. think so no Right. Celebrating 150 years of rugby in York, apart from you know York City Knights have been around for about seven years, and uh, someone will say, "No, they've been around longer." No, this current if, if we're pretending Bradford Bulls aren't the same as Bradford Bulls, then York aren't the same as they were before. And Witness beat London home, being 22-10 down at halftime. They won 26-22. Great result for Witness and John Keir. Very disappointing for London, obviously, but uh, they remain a point above the relegation zone. Big week for London this week because they're taking a game to Gillingham, to Ebbsfleet. Uh, so not Gillingham, to Kent, um, <laughs> to, to Ebbsfleet. They could take it to uh, the home of Kent in Victor. Is that still standing? What did they play, they play at Maidstone? Mm. So yeah, the Ebbsfleet football round for is it Sheffield that they play on uh, Sunday? Yes. <laughs> He doesn't say it's absolutely though in the papers, so I didn't realise. It is, uh, I believe. Batley Whitehaven, Bradford Lee, oh dear, uh, Dewsbury, Halifax, London, Sheffield, Workington, a witness, York, Barrow on Saturday, Sir Fev versus Newcastle, and tonight, of course, which if you listen to the podcast, you'll already know the results, it'll have finished. Barrow versus Halifax. Which will be a great game, I think. Um, in League One, Hunslet lost 24 32 in the Alan Kilshaw Derby to. Rochdale Hornets, which was a bit of a disappointment for Alan Kilshaw because he now coaches Hunslet. Um, Keithley nilled Oldham 62 nil. That's They're why, running away with it, aren't they? That's why Dane Chisholm should be at Featherston because Keithley won. Uh, well, they're four points clear of Swinton, who won at London Scholars 48 22. Again, the Scholars announced their attendance, so if they can do it. North Wales lost to Doncaster. The wheels have fallen off yeah, a little bit. I- because the Crusaders were unbeaten for what was it? Bob's was it six games? Twenty-six, eighteen to Doncaster. In that big game. result for Doncaster. How that one turn up at half time? You say and uh, congratulations, Cornwall. You have won a match. You have beaten the West Wales Raiders twenty-four-four. That was an hour league, but I didn't watch it because it was at um, the Wheelchair Challenge Cup final. Revenge for losing 
Is it twenty nil at home so to uh, <laughs> West Wales? Just so. Swapped wins, but you know they both got wins. It's yeah. a historic day. Uh, Liam Whitten is a is a good player. Um, I think he got did he get two tries for Cole. Yes, good player. This week it is Cornwall versus Hunslet on Saturday afternoon at one o'clock. Ah, oh, nice summer's trip for Hunslet. Yeah, be all right. Flying and out. Oh no, you can't do that. Um, especially not that we're carbon neutral. How many paper cups you'll have to do for that trip? Uh, League One, Keithley versus West Wales. Oh dear. Uh, Midlands versus Rochdale, North Wales, London Scholars, and Swinton versus Doncaster, which is a, that's a good interesting game. game, yeah? That's a good game. That's that's League One this week. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Oh, Harry Gresham, we haven't mentioned. Who, well, uh, I was going to end this whenever we yeah, end oh, it. Oh, is there anything, else, your anything else we need to talk about before that? Then? Is, that uh, I think there's any, is there anything else going on that I, I've forgotten about? Well, we've had the disciplinary half of Leeds are banned. Yeah. Um, See what it says on the front of the paper. Toulouse Star walks out from that. Wolf calls for international calendar. Yeah, we want that. Um, RFL in the money. Oh, they've made a profit, haven't they? Yeah, RFL. Um, Which might be something for you. Oh, there's, um, there's, a, there's a big social impact report being announced on Thursday um, by the World Cup about the uh, league <laughs> social impact. Look out for that. The report <laughs> is really worth it. Just uh, not necessarily look out the person who might be presenting it can we say that no, I don't know you edit that out I think it's a Conway Martin Sutherland's tweet of the week by the way in the league Express. it's almost like whoever's That's writing it. that column is like sucking up to him I don't know who what? does that so I'm just I'm just saying nonsense um, I don't think there's anything else in the paper oh Scoey's written Leeds continue to struggle Please. That's not news either, though. Is it? No. And he, he doesn't like marquee signings when no. they like Josh Reynolds. the rubbish, yeah. Now, well, let's talk about Harry Gresham then, because uh, he's no longer with us. If you listen to the podcast again, you get a bonus uh, of me talking to him in 2009. Listen to how different that sounded. It's weird. Uh, before I, you know, start hating people and stuff. Although there is some. <laughs> I remember, even though it's so long ago since I did this interview, I, I remember the only thing I edited out. Because it was while I was at Ridings FM in Wakefield, which doesn't exist either now. He mentions Radio Leeds on it, so I edited that bit out. Scott mentioned the competition. When Chris Moyles sponsored the Featherstone Stadium, we never mentioned Chris Moyles. But Harry Grayson's died, which is very sad. Um, a, a fixture of local broadcasting in Yorkshire for donkey's years. Started on Radio Leeds, was a pioneer of some of their rugby league coverage. Look north, of course. Do you know who produced his half past five to six o'clock rugby league roundup show when that's all we had? Go on, Martin Kelm. Martin Kelm, never heard of him. Another uh, <laughs> columnist, and all right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, hopefully, it's a long time until we're saying the same thing about Mr. Kellner, but it, it's very sad because obviously, no one's had a bad word to say about him. Super League show, enjoy your rugby league and all that. Him and Scoey on the sofas in the olden days. Uh, a, a titan of local broadcasting, the kind of which you don't get anymore. It was the, um, weirdly, in Alanis Morissette not turning up for a gig because she was ill, ironic sense, the anniversary of Richard Whiteley's death this weekend as well. So two titans of, of local TV broadcasting, both with very different styles mm. and very different uh, ways of presenting things, uh, which you don't get anymore you don't get that same kind of and it's not a knock on the people who, who do those programs now right? just you don't get that same longevity and 
which which means you don't get that same association with the audience that you're going in every night into their house and you become part of the family. I, I think he, his love of sport was indicated by whenever there was an Olympics on, Harry was always sent out to do Judah what you might call some of the lesser sports, but did them with such professionalism that you I actually you know found myself watching Taekwondo because Harry's commentated on it. Um, he was a a lover of he, he loved his cricket he, he really did um, but he, he absolutely was passionate about rugby league and where, wherever he could sold the idea to, to the extent that when Morris Lindsay asked him to join um, to look after the you know the PR side although it didn't work out because they were such diametrically opposed personalities um, Morris obviously in your face have you done what we're doing about Harry a bit more laid back um, it's safe to say that the, the, the styles were never going to work and I think Harry became a tiny bit disillusioned with the sport went and worked for was it TV South or something he worked PBC in the South yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, after that but the fact that he even wanted a position within rugby league because he could see that he could do so the video that we've all got and watched thousands of times was it <laughs> of Bobby Fault dear me he dealt with it well he was perfectly professional uh, you know I, I happened to be there as one of the media people waiting to interview Bobby Fulton when Harry got to ask the first questions and Bobby just set on him what do you know and Harry was fantastic absolutely that was that was at beloved Wakefield um, after Trinity had tried to rough up the tourists <laughs> and uh, it developed into something of a, a bloodbath and uh, and Harry merely asked of Bobby Fulton whether he was uh, going to condemn or condone the, the behaviour of his players what do you know about rugby league but Harry was great um, and he, he genuinely did care about the sport he, he loved I, I think he was more of a York City Knights fan than any other other club he kept his allegiances very close he, he lived uh, uh, in York for for, for a, a lot of the time that he was he was doing rugby league could often be seen Having his little run on the on the race course, waving at, at people, and uh, just a genuinely ni- n- nice guy. And uh, so you, you need all the advocates you can get for for a sport like rugby league. And within the case, you know, space of two weeks, we've lost two of them, which is a terrible shame. I think they, you summed it up there uh, perfectly professional, hmm. which it's not, not always e- a lot it's of not easy though. to do when you've got people talking in your ear and you got to remember that what you're actually saying to the camera and the script and the running order and timings and I have to say as well that uh, he was very good to us when we launched 4020 um, it, they had us in on Look North um, on the sofa and he was genuinely interested about why would you want to start a magazine what is it trying to be and, and he you know when he when he wished you good luck with the venture you knew that he really meant it and um, yeah, d- didn't know him that well, but I, as you say, not just a um, someone who will be fondly remembered in a local sense. But I think he, you know, he used to go and do grandstand as well. Perhaps over the, over the Christmas period, I think when they were uh, moving their presenters around, he yeah, he advocated for rugby league on a national scale. He wasn't just a, a great local broadcaster. You'll hear in the interview just how professional he is faced with. Uh some idiot from local commercial radio turning up to interview but that, that comes up after you'll hear from uh, James Simpson and Tom Halliwell we'll be back at some point next week I'm not exactly sure when um, talking some rugby league and well in, 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 the, in the words of Harry enjoy your rugby league
pause. We do. I've got to come and turn it off now. Well, apparently, you know, perfectly professional Harry Gration. And uh, not to quite me. Thanks for watching. Tom, congratulations, Charles Cup winner again. What was it like on the field this afternoon? Uh, I think that's probably one of the toughest games I've ever played in my life. It was so fast. It, I, I remember looking at the clock and I think 10 minutes have been played. I was like, oh, 10 minutes? Are you kidding? That's, like, <laughs> that's taking a minute. But uh, no, nah, we managed to find something else and, and, and obviously we got, we got the job done in the end. A great team performance. You've obviously won the play of the match award, but you can't win that without the players around you. No, like I've, I've said before, like we're, we're a very selfless team. Um, we always fight for each other and if someone misses a tackle, there's someone always backing up and, and getting that tackle behind that. And, yeah, we're just a very selfless team and, and we really put our hearts for each other and we really put our bodies on the line up for each other out there. Well, I think it's 14 points down midway through the first half, but you, you didn't seem to be uh, concerned at that point. Well, we, we talked about it, we knew we had a patch where we knew there would be a patch where they, they'd absolutely dominate us and they're a terrific, terrific side, you can see what they're doing, they're capable of. They're an absolutely unbelievable players, an unbelievable team, but we know if we, if, if we, ride, that, we ride that storm, we'll come out at the end of it and, and, and we did out there. And just a word on Nathan Collins, because he, he appears to be, he, he, a bit, I was complaining about that, a bit like Rob Burry, plays far above his size, almost a Kevin Sinfield-like kicking game today as well, calming dropouts that he forced, it was a superb game from him. He's absolutely unbelievable, like some of the stuff he does in training, I'm literally just like, how, how have you done that? And then the thing is, he doesn't just do it in training, he backs it up in games, and he's probably one of the best players I've ever played with, and I get a pleasure to play with him week in, week out, so it's a huge honour to be able to play with him. Obviously, you captain England last week to beat France, you know, play the match in this final this week against the Catalans, the World Cup coming up. How important have these two results been, and these two performances been for that? If I'm honest, we were both must-win games. Like, obviously, uh, with with the tests in November last year, we lost we lost them both. And uh, and, and well, I knew looking at this, so like we have to win. In, we have to win against France, and we have to win against Catalan just to put us confidence up there and, and and get us in a good stead ready for the World Cup. And I think this performance out here has, has, has really made us think and growing confidence and ready to work hard. And it shows that, um, that they are beatable, and they're not this world unbelievable team. They are beatable. They have got flaws, um, but. That being said, it, it doesn't come easy, you have to work hard and I think that's what we're going to be doing. For those who watched the game for the first time, so what do you think they'll have made of it in terms of the... the, the it seems to be a, a different level of physicality out there this afternoon. This is, this is elite sport, this is what it is at the top level and it's, it's rugby league, it's physical, it's, it's aggressive, um, it's fast, you just have to just go with it and just keep on going and keep on going. If you're, if you're stood waiting for a second thinking what's happening here, you, you're going to get the points put on you easily so you just have to get up, turn around and just keep going. How tired are you after that? I'll sleep tonight, I'll tell you that, I'll sleep tonight. Uh, full 80 minutes in the bank, um, don't, don't come much to be fair but nah, um, I, I just the momentum of the final just kept on kept me going and the adrenaline of just playing in a, in a final like the Challenge Cup it's so special uh, the adrenaline of that just pushed me through and I think pushed us all through to be honest James congratulations how does it feel to win the Challenge Cup again it's the again bit I think it'll take a while to sink in but so coming into this I'm sure if you, whoever you've interviewed there are we just thought about this it wasn't about winning it for the third time we've been winning it for the first time about winning this trophy and and We've spent four weeks preparing for this. Every training session has been about this game. We had a few domestic games, but it was this game. Sometimes in training, we were slowing it right down and moving each other around like chess pieces, mate. Do you know, like, it was solely about this. And Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's sunk in. We've won. We've won the Challenge Cup, but I think it'll really start sinking in when I'm driving home and my body starts aching and I'm, like, hurting and I'm, like... Then I'll be like, yeah, this feels good. This pain has, has come at a, 
has come at like uh, it's, it's done some quality, and that's obviously the trophy. Was it a, a more intense game you've been used to recently coming up against the Catalans? Probably one of the hardest games I've ever played in, honestly. And not from like a physical, it was physical, it was really physical, from a from a just quality, you know, we're chewing and throwing and, and it was a quality game and it was intense and, and like players were playing 80 minutes there. Do you know, playing out of the skin, there were times we were on, we were like pushing through mud and you just would get turned into each other and being like 15 minutes. 10 minutes, let's keep going, let's keep this up. And, and probably best team performance, I feel like we've, we've put out for a very long time. Absolutely quality. Tom McCauley, Scraps McCauley, Josh McCauley, Jordi McCauley, Ewan McCauley. Do you know, honestly, I'm, I'm so proud of the, of the team for what we did. Yeah, Tom mentioned that it, it was a whole team effort. He's yeah. won the player of the match one, but it, you don't want a trophy like that without the whole team. No, it had to be, it had to be. We played Catalan Dragons, arguably coming in this one of the best teams in the world. And uh, like one of my mates, Seb, who obviously plays. He, uh, he did an interview saying they want to, they're like, that they are the Premier team in the world and, and I was like, I don't, stuff like that don't get me like, well we're going to show you. I'm just like, alright, alright. So I, I, I do feel like a little bit we did the impossible and people might have favoured them, but we didn't think that. We thought coming in this, this is our game, this and we're going to, we stuck, we planned, we had a game plan, we stuck to it and, and it worked. No panic when you went 14, mil, uh, 14 points down now though. No, it's an 8 minutes game, it's 8 minutes game. We, we said to each other, there's going to be times in this momentum's not going to be against us, but it's going to be against us. It's how we handle that. And we say to, we say to each other, like, just grab hold of it. Just when it's against you, grab hold of it and take it for a ride. Just ride that wave and then the momentum will come our way. We'll grab that momentum and we'll do what we want to do. It's cup 40, mate. Sometimes you're under the cost for a while. It's how you respond to that. Not once were we behind the try line after they scored, getting each other or saying, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. You're like, just ride it, just ride this wave, get hold of it and ride it. And our time will come. And it did. Goal, goal line dropper after goal line dropper. It was reminiscent in, in a sense of when Leeds played Cass in the 2014 Cup final and Kevin Sinfield kicked them to death. Yeah. It's almost like you did that to them, didn't it? We was, if we can't score, we pin them in. We make them work. And that was one of the, the things we went to. We were like, if we can't score, we pin them in, we pin them in, we pin them in. And uh, Nathan's kicking was exceptional. He hit the post from sometimes 30 metres out, 20 metres out, a lot. And, and his, his kick was phenomenal. And, and that's just what you get. Big games, you get players pulling big things out like that. And, and every time they got a drop out, like the third one in a row, I looked at some of their faces and they were just like... And, and that, that, for me, that was just like, sweet. And he did all that with... And he shouldn't have played, Nathan Collins. He, he was told not to play, but obviously he, he's not going to listen to yeah. anyone about that. I didn't, I didn't know if that was public knowledge, but yeah, he obviously he dislocated his fingers last year, playing for England, uh, last week playing for England. He was advised not to play, he was told not to play, but you get a player like Nathan, he's played rugby league his whole life, he's going to play in the Challenge Cup final, and he did exactly that. And, and a couple of times you could see you were a bit... His hand were hurting him, ice packs. Ice packs were coming on, but it, it cracks on, mate. He's a, he's a warrior, and, and I think that's a good, a good thing. Mate. The thing about our team, what what makes us want to be good is for each other. And, and it's not for the, the, the big stuff, the fancy stuff. It's the selflessness, and the, we do this for each other, and the trophies will come. And that's exactly what happens today, mate. People stepped up, big games. People played big minutes, and that's exactly what happened. Well then, Harry, how difficult is it to narrow everyone that's ever played sport from Yorkshire into 30 people? Well, I'll tell you something, Richard, it was a real um, difficult selection in the end because I've gone from 1 to 30 um, and I've done them in the order that I think I regard them as my true sporting heroes. So I could have, I had an initial list on the top of my head of about 100 and I've culled that to 30. Uh, and I've tried to make it a cross-section of sports and I've also tried to have a story about each of them. That was the criteria for me 
that I had some kind of connection with them, whether it was from Look North, Radio Leeds or Grandstand, and, and that was the basis of my, my selection process. Now how many, were there any difficult situations where any players who were, or sportsmen who just about crept in or ones that you missed out with thought? Yeah, definitely. There, there were a couple of difficult decisions to make actually. Uh, my passion is cricket. Um, I love my rugby league as well, as you probably know, and I love my football. Um, so they were the three main sports that had to sort of uh, take pride of place. But there are other sports I've covered as well, of course, and I've gone back to swimming in Eta Lonsborough, uh, and uh, uh, also um, I've looked at uh, one or two other sports as well, like Peter Elliott in athletics. Um, in the rugby league side, there were lots of people who could have so easily got into the list, you know, people like Alan Hardesty. Um, but in the end, I had to be fairly ruthless, and I've gone on those that I've a story to tell about, and that's what made me look at it very, very critically in that regard. We were sat here at Headingley, looking overlooking oh. the cricket ground, there's the, the rugby ground to the side of us. You could probably have done 30 cricketers and 30 rugby league Easy, players. easy, easy. I mean, just look around you, Richard, if you get the chance today before the launch actually starts, and you'll just see this is the legend suite. I mean, the history that's uh, on the photographs here is just phenomenal. You're overlooking the best test arena in the world for me with a new stand going up it's a beautiful day uh, and it's like being in paradise I can imagine that uh, that would be like that if I ever got up there it's <laughs> <laughs> quite awe-inspiring now who were the people who first got you hooked into the world of sport? Well, well strangely I, I suppose really I go back to my school I went to school in York and my cricket coach there was a guy called David Kirby he he sort of cemented my passion for cricket which has always been my number one sport um, but also, I suppose, too, when I look at the broadcasting side of things as well, when I first started broadcasting at Radio Leeds, um, I had to um, uh, cover Rugby League, which I'd never covered before, and that became a passion as well. So uh, all kinds of things uh, were developed in that regard. Did you get thrown in the deep end sometimes? Yeah. Because, um, when I started there, uh, well, not too long ago now, but I, uh, we had in Wakefield a rugby union club, which we don't have anymore, and my background was in Rugby League, so that was uh, quite interesting trying to commentate on rugby union without having much of an idea of what was going on but it's a, a great challenge right? well you know what it's like you know for riding you but exactly the same as i was you know you are yes you like to specialize but the reality is you've got to cover other sports there's there's, there's a good chance you some point you'll have to do a hockey item you know wakeford's got a great hockey club there as well so that's the way we do and, and you develop and then your interest develops as a result of it i mean rugby league became a real passion of mine still is i love the the game i present still present the super league show as well um but you're a jack of all trades and i've covered ridiculous sports i've covered i covered tiddlywinks once <laughs> for the oxford and cambridge um uh, sports extravaganza for grandstand. I did it for grandstand. I've covered judo. I've covered wrestling. Um, I, I've covered archery. Uh, I've done commentaries on on these things all around the world. So, you know, I, I don't pr proclaim to be an expert, but for a moment in time, you are. It's the the element of uh, convincing people that you're an expert when uh... convince exactly. <laughs> You've got to have the good pattern, Richard, which I'm sure you have. <laughs> um, if you look, uh, if you had to write this book again in 30 years' mm. time, is anyone around today who you think could could get into another? Book? Oh, definitely. I mean, I would now turn around to you and say that th th these are all heroes that have all stopped playing. That, that's the that's the key to it. And some sadly have stopped playing, but are, are playing up in that great uh, playground in the sky at the moment. Um, so that that it, that was the criteria for this one. Yeah, I mean, I could do a modern one, and the person who I spring to mind now, I think, is going to be an absolute superstar, is Jessica Ennis. I think the world heptathlete champion. She's got everything. 
She's a beautiful looking uh, girl. She's got so much style and class and she's going to be a world star. She really is. She's a fantastic person as well. Especially being from Sheffield and the sports personality of the year has been uh, well, in Sheffield. I mean, so we're voting. We're pushing like that bird <laughs> to win it. I hope she does. Yeah, I, I think she's one of the outstanding candidates this year. Oh, definitely, I yeah, yeah. I think if you look at the other sports uh, men that get put forward to in sportsmen, of course, uh, you look at the Jensen Buttons and these people, but they all have uh, amazing technological help where it's her on her yeah. own, really. So the physicality of it, I mean, I suppose if Andy Murray had won something, he would definitely be knocking on the door, but he's not there yet, and he's young, and he will win something. He's going to win a major at some point, so uh, he, he'll, be, he'll be down the, the line a little bit. Uh, the only other contenders are usually footballers but there's been no great football so Jessica for me is is the outstanding candidate at the moment she's the one to beat if we look if we look back then at these people who was the, the main people who stick out when you've written this book well I, I've done it in order I've done it from 1 to 30 and uh, I, I can remember Bill Bridge of the Yorkshire Post said to me I bet boycott's number one everyone knows I'm a great fan of Geoffrey he isn't it's John Charles the uh, great Leeds United player uh, I never saw him play in his pomp but when you get people like Jack Charlton and Bobby Charlton saying this was the greatest player they'd ever seen, I think you've got something special there. And he was such a lovely man as well and uh, you know, he ran out of money at the end and uh, it was a very sad way because this guy would have been just a god in this day and age. He would have been able to play, imagine the ball comes over, you're heading a cannonball because that's what they were like in those days. They were just not like the soft ones now, he'd, he'd have scored. 10 times the amount of goals because they, it must have knocked your senses with that ball when you headed it. So he was he was a great one. I'm also rather surprised Boycott's number two. I put Brian Close at number three because I think Brian Close has been one of the most uh, undermentioned of uh, cricketers of all time. He, he, he was here at Headingley where he managed to get together the most grumpy set of Yorkshire folk and make them into an absolutely astonishing cricket team. How do you keep peace with Freddie Truman, Geoffrey Boycott, Ray Ellingworth, some of those characters there? Um, and it's great to be able to uh, to be here to, to reflect on Brian Close. Obviously, others pop to mind Freddie Truman, great guy as well. And uh, he was my hero of a fast bowler because I used to think I was a fast bowler, but he was my uh, hero in terms of uh, athleticism. I guess the advantage the uh, the legends of the past have. Is that unlike, say, Darren Goffle or someone today who's every moment is captured on film? These people are mm. mostly only remembered in uh, in the memories of people who mm. actually watch them. So over time, I know uh, certainly to me the the great Wakefield team of the sixties has been uh, yeah. uh, their, their story's been told to me uh, time and time again, and their legend grows and grows as the years go by. Which an advantage the people of the past have over over the people of today. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt about that. I mean, Neil Fox is one of my heroes. He's here today. Uh, Don Fox, sadly, is not no longer with us, but his family are coming here today as well. Um, and, you know, th these are people who, again, you're talking about kicking a football, kicking a rugby ball. Well, the technology now is such that those balls are easy to kick. You've still got a skill to get your know, goals, etc. But the ones that Neil Fox kicked were, again, like kicking you know, a, a solid mound of rock when they got wet and his skill was a, an astonishing one he was a great great player was Neil Fox he did so much for Wakefield Trinity um, and I, I just I'm, I'm so chuffed that he's coming today as well who were the people or, or would you like to name any of the people who just missed out who you yeah I, I didn't yeah I didn't put in Seb Coe um, uh, who's obviously got a very strong Yorkshire connection but I didn't think his connection with Sheffield was quite as uh, as significant as uh, 
uh, should have been. Uh, I mentioned to you before about Alan Hardiston, people like that. Um, there were quite a few uh, other great rugby league players that uh, could so easily uh, have got in as well. Uh, and the selection process in the end was was just done on that basis. I've said to you before, it was based on my experiences. But uh, I suppose I could have looked at uh, a few more footballers as well. I could have looked at someone like Peter Lorimer. I've always had a high regard for um, nice chap um, and um, I also have a, a, a real regard for Stuart McCall of Bradford City as well because I think he um, distinguished himself during the Bradford City fire and has come back and is doing a great job with, there with Bradford City at the moment. He's doing it the right way as well, staying yeah. down at the bottom. Exactly, the way exactly. nice guy, nice guy. Uh, if we look then uh, at the, the way things are at the moment with Yorkshire just avoided relegation, uh, hopefully things are looking good for them. They've got some good young players coming oh, yeah. through as well. They have fantastic players. Um, there's a real excitement about here. Um, funnily enough, I don't think relegation would have been the end of the world because the Yorkshire public would have been annoyed, but the reality is that the same people would have come to support them year after year. Uh, there's still a hard core of two, two and a half thousand who watch county championship cricket wherever Yorkshire play and always will do. But there is a buzz about this place at the moment and a and relief that they haven't gone down, but look at who they've got. You know, they've got fast bowler, this double barrel name, was it? something Dolby isn't it Harrison Dolby whatever they've got Johnny Bairstow what a player he's going to be I mean I, I eulogise about him and Boyks told me the other day this lad's going to play for England inside the next two years I think he'll be playing for them next year I think he's got so much talent we've got it'll be a, a great tribute to his father as well ah great yeah but I, I think he's better than his dad and his dad's one of my heroes but I think Johnny's a better player he's a better batter certainly much better batsman and I'm told he's a better He's a better wicketkeeper as well, and he's got such a lovely mum who supported him, and a lovely sister as well. No, they're, they're great. Uh, he's a great lad, is Johnny, and I'm going to really push him as, as much as I can, <laughs> Richard. I tell you, certainly we need a, a, a wicketkeeper who can uh, stay in the team. It's just something that they keep chopping and changing. Well, they don't give they don't give him a chance at wicketkeeper, uh, and I I, I I don't know why that is. I mean, they've obviously got a couple talented wicketkeepers themselves, but uh, there is a feeling that. I know it sounds strange that the wicketkeeping role is not that important uh, in one sense. Uh, it used to be key, you know, when you look at David Bairstow and you look at Jimmy Binks before uh, before him. Um, he was one that nearly got in as well, Jimmy Binks, by the way. Um, so you, you look at all these people and you think, well, yeah, they're, they're good. And the wicketkeeping role in county championship cricket doesn't seem to be as key as it is strangely one day when you've got to be really on the top of your game. And then in rugby league, Yorkshire dominating the Super League, which is always good to see. And Leeds yeah. going for a third successive title this week. I can't see anybody beating Leeds. Um, um, certainly can't see St Helens doing it. Um, I think they've got the hex on them when it comes to finals. The only way St Helens can probably rattle Leeds is... I, I did see a sign that I thought St Helens' defence was a lot better against Wigan than it has been in recent weeks. If they've got that part of the game together. But my theory is this. Yes... Catalan bashed up Leeds a bit, but I think Wigan bashed up St Helens more, and I think Leeds will take advantage in that regard. I think that was a great decision putting those two teams together. I don't know if, I, I don't know if that was the theory or whether they just wanted Catalans, but that was uh, a fantastic game. I, I think it, you know it was a no, it was a no-brainer for me. You know, if you've got a prospect of Saints against Wigan, which is probably the fiercest rugby league derby of all, um, you, you've got to put them together and hope that they come out walking on splints at the end of it, and that's probably what happened really.
and we've got Wakefield to kind of be just winning the championship yeah, good yeah. Them. And it's good to see the youth, hopefully more youth players coming through especially with the uh, the quarter system change although I can't get my head around the rules necessarily but it'd be good to see an England or Great Britain or however we play a team be able to compete against the Australians time and time again because it's yeah. something that I've never seen yeah well we, 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 it's, a, it's a kind of football situation isn't it when you look at it um, too many Australians playing in the game over here in my opinion I've, I've never um, gone on any other decision other than that and the same is there's too many international stars playing in the Premiership uh, Wakefield do a great job I have to say you know if anybody has my admiration as a coach is John Keir he's a great guy is John Keir and the club is a great club and I'll tell you why it's a great club it's had to cope with two tragedies in the last year and it has coped with distinction with integrity and everybody at that rugby club deserves to be appreciated because they are they do a great job with the limited resources let's be honest you know they can't compete with the big guys but they do a good job and they've got a top guy at the uh, top there with John Gear. and it's good to see, well Castleford getting into the playoffs as well and Featherson just missing and Castleford yeah. yeah I mean the, the biggest question that they've got to of course decide on is um, uh, both clubs you know about new grounds and whatnot I don't know how far down the road they are uh, there's even a suggestion is there not of sharing but I'm not going to go down that because <laughs> that would probably get me lynched <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a hot potato that one it's, uh, it certainly is just going back to the, the book again finally if there was one person you could you could watch again or one uh, a group of people in the team who would it be and, and why? I would like to go and watch the Yorkshire cricket team in their pomp during the 60s um, really watch them play again together and I'd like them to play that team I'd like them to play the current yeah. county champions and they would annihilate them they would annihilate them on uncovered pictures or the pictures of any pictures any pictures they would annihilate them they just look at look at the strength of that that side from all the way down the line you know oh what a team that was and uh, uh, I just love to see it. I just love to see the rest of them drop I guess when people read this book there's going to cause some arguments I hope so not I hope so I hope, that, I hope the argument is you know uh, oh that's a strange choice or that's a controversial choice and so on and so forth but that's what I've done it for a bit of debates a bit of a uh, bit of fun as well um, it also covers some of the favourite grounds that I've uh, I've been to. Some of them have gone, um, like Bramalane Cricket, Park Avenue, Bradford, uh, where I first watched my sport. And I've also covered in the book uh, some of the sports that's still going in Yorkshire but nowhere else. So I've tried to cover quite a few things. It's been such good fun. I've really enjoyed it. I can imagine some of the old grounds. I mean, you look at Bellevue now, and it's uh, <laughs> it's not changed much in. Uh, no, and, and you know, <laughs> and it needs to. It yeah. needs to in the in the in the context of. <coughs> it needs to change in the context of uh, Super League because they want the all the grounds to be on a similar standard but I always think the same when I go to Castleford I think that's a rugby league ground for me you know when I go to Hull FC KC I love the ground but it's a football ground isn't it initially um, and so that's why I'm, I'm a great believer in uh, trying to get the keep the traditions strong and stick in the heartland and try and keep the grounds to reflect what the sport's all about. Yeah, somehow building a new stadium without it being a, a soulless box. Well, it, it, many of them are. You look at football grounds now, you go to Derby County, you go to Darlington, you go to Bolton, they're all the same. Um, yes, they're comfortable, yes, they're good to watch, but oh, 
and I'd rather have something with a bit of character, a bit of personality. Yeah. Nothing beats getting wet at uh, Bellevue. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I, got, I, I, I used to get absolutely soaked. I mean, my, when I first started my radio days, I used to have a, a, a trek around the grounds to do, I used to do on a Thursday night, I used to start off at Castleford, I used to go on to Wakefield, then I used to go, no, so it's Castleford, Featherstone, Wakefield, and then if I'd got time, I used to head home and do Dewsbury. That was my Friday night, uh, Thursday night uh, roundup for the rugby league programmes over the weekend. Great fun, great time. Better now in the summer than it will be in the winter. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure, easier to, easy to cover, but of course the other side of things now is that when I, when I was you know, first started in broadcasting, we, we used to go and meet these people. We didn't do it on telephone. Most of them do it on telephones and ISDN kits and whatnot now. We used to meet them face to face. That's where we got the stories. That's the difference. Mm. Harry, thank you very much. Lovely. Nice to see you. Sports Social Podcast Network.